0: Hey, y'all. It's Jessie again. Hi. Hi. You're wondering why I'm choosing this episode. Well, if it's not already apparent, I have a lot of history with episode 39, George Hodel, and the Black Dahlia murder.
1: I'm a little disappointed you didn't pick the episode where you had Elvira as your star mom. I know, I know. I do love
0: Elvira, mistress of the dark, queen of our hearts. However... This one touches home like back in my day, back in my history because I remember as soon as the internet happened. Back whenever rotten.com existed and shit like that. Yeah, y'all Gen Z haven't seen shit. I mean, that's still around. Rotten.com still around? I don't know. Is it? Ooh. I'll rotten.com it, keep talking. E-bombs world. We saw beheadings, okay? Yo, like there was no filters on the internet for children. Let me just put it that way. And I saw a lot of things at like very young ages that I was like, I don't know if I should be seeing this. The internet was young. I do miss the e-bombs world because you also got some really good gems on there. Some like hilarious fights and like some funny things. Oh,
1: it's not still around.
0: Rotten.com. It ended in 2012. 2012, that's actually longer than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. But
1: here's 17 sites like rotten.com
0: i'm good i'm good if you really want to traumatize yourself go to any other site that's referenced by the new whatever rotten.com has become crazy
1: shit.com deadhouse.org chaotic with a (laughs) k.com
0: of course it's with a k oh my god
1: alive gore now, I've never been to these, you guys. Don't go to them. Don't I don't know them. really what the fuck they are. Basically, Rotten.com was... I'm going to stop talking Think about now.
0: the most disgusting crap you can imagine. Like I said, like someone being beheaded. It was on there. Like, the early internet was a fucking Wild West. I will tell you that. Included in there was true crime, of course, because it had, like, you know, crime scene photos and shit. And the one that drew my, my eye was the Black Dahlia... Case because it was first of all, it was in the 1940s. Seeing such a what I consider a modern crime in the 40s was such a massive thing for me because, like, this woman's body was pulled apart, she had no internal organs, she was split in the middle, she had this horrified, like, Chelsea grin carved into her face. And it was like, this is this feels very
1: modern for some reason. This feels like a Bundy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and oh. I wonder if it's one of his ancestors. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, like, could it be that psychoticness be genetic?
0: Yeah, it is. From what we're learning, trauma is genetic.
1: Right, but do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I
0: I wouldn't put it past our genetics for psychopathy
1: at all. So I'm going to be like Sybil. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. No, I'm nothing like her. (laughs) No, you're not. stop it
0: no no you're not no i'm just saying like however that whatever dna is passed to you yes is passed to you but you've made decisions to not act on said dna stop it it means that you've stopped the cycle so anyway but hodell was such an interesting case especially after um learning from forensic psychologists that potentially maybe this person may have done these things allegedly It makes sense. There's just a lot of smoke with this fucking fire around this person. And again, I'm going to say alleged, none of this has been proven. We don't know. It's still currently an open case in the LAPD, the Black Dahlia. So I don't know. It was one of the ones that really was a seminal moment for me in true crime, where I was like, this is interesting to me. Right. And I don't know why. But I'm going to keep going here. So, yeah, that's why I chose this one. And just a real quick side note, I want to say that for us, true crime isn't about the clout or sensationalism that has come from it. Mm-mm. And we don't want to profit off of any victim ever when it comes to this kind of thing. That's not that's not our purpose. Ours is more of like a a genuine curiosity about the types of people that would do these kind of crazy crimes. We're like, how the hell would you even, why? You know? They probably have those big flags flying behind their trucks, (laughs) Maybe. And then like also just a awareness. Because I Mm -hmm. feel like if we stop talking about people that do perpetrate these crimes, we can lose part of our history. And I think it's important for us to not repeat it.
1: Yeah, it's like when we stop teaching real history.
0: Yeah, exactly. So hope you enjoy this episode. Definitely one of the more important ones in my life. And um, thank you so much for listening.
1: Thank you. Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening.
0: We're back. New episode, new week. Hey, Counties. Hey, Counties. I know, we keep forgetting. Well, I mean, we're not going to say it every time. But if we ask for help, we're going to go like, hey, Counties, what do y'all think? Or, hey, Counties, help us out. You You know, know.
1: I'm going to say it every time when I remember. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, you know, hardly ever.
0: (laughs) You're like, yeah, based on what I remember, this might not always be the case of something that comes to mind. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, welcome back to another episode of See You Next Tuesday. I'm Jessie. I'm Amanda. And we're really glad to have you here. Welcome. As you heard from the disclaimer, we cuss, if you don't know by now. And we talk about stuff that's really difficult, so we try our best uh, to navigate as best we can.
1: Yeah, I have forgotten the past... Three episodes to, like, warn anybody of everything. We don't have to, because remember, we have the little disclaimer. Yeah, but remember, we said we were going to try to shit pothole, like, at the beginning. Did we say that? Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember what we say a lot of times. I mean, like, like, one general shit pothole, like, this is going to be a shit pothole episode. But I don't think any of mine have been.
0: No. Yours have been pretty good.
1: I did a contract killer. Mm Mm-hmm. I did... What else did I do? Mm. Yeah, the other guy was like a... Yeah, no, you're fine. You're good. There was no, like, SA or anything like that. It's like, as soon as you hit stop recording, I'm done. It's like a complete blackout for the last hour I talked.
0: Yeah. So if you, like, are laughing along at home and message
1: us, you can be like, hey, did y'all said this thing? And we're like... We did? <laughs> oh, I know the last one I uh, I did the cop the one. Like yeah. I he mean might that was have difficult. Been a shit pot hole. See, I already blocked that one out
0: for many reasons.
1: Yeah, me too. That's why that I was guy. like thinking back real hard. I was like Oh yeah, that fucking piece of human waste.
0: Yeah, James Van Dyke. James Van Dyke. If and his you, wife's Tiffany. Tiffany Van Dyke. Are just people that you should be aware of.
1: Yes. That's it. Yes. They're from We don't Chicago. believe in violence. No. no, nope. Murder's never the answer. Nope. Nope. But I do believe in, if you come across him, I remember saying this. You say, you look like someone. Mm. Are you Jason Van Dyke or Joshua Duggar? I, mm-hmm. I can't place which one you are. Yeah. Yeah. And when he claims to not be the pedophile,
0: which of course he will... Then you be like, oh, so you're the murderer. Okay, I
1: got it. Yeah. You're the racist murderer. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Cool. Have a nice day. Bye. No, actually, you say, have the day you deserve. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly
0: when you use that phrase. I am liking that phrase. I see it more and more now, especially from TikTok. I don't know where it came from. But have the day you deserve is so petty in like this perfect little like encapsulated way it's just petty enough to be like mean but not it's not rude it's not something that people like i can't believe they said that what they say have the day you deserve okay yeah because you know what you could deserve to have a great day right or if you're being a piece of trash
1: trash day trash day take you out it's trash day (laughs) yes she's here all week everybody (sighs) Ah. yeah Yeah. You say, you look like someone. You kind of look like Jason Van Dyke. No? Or is it Josh Duggar? I can't. You look like one of them. Speaking of the Duggars, we got episodes out
0: there. Yes. On Patreon. Yes. You should listen. They're great. Patreon exclusive. Plus, all our videos of our podcasts are there, too. So we have a YouTube with most of our videos right now, but we've decided to move all the rest of our videos to be more of like a fan exclusive thing. Yes. Also, because you get to see, you know, our stretchy pants and our leggings. or and ch-
1: I never brush my hair. Chick fil A drinks and <laughs> our booze. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do brush my hair. Just normally on Saturday mornings, I throw it up. And oh, FYI, we record on Saturday mornings. Well, yeah. I mean, they, I'm assuming they. No, it's not Tuesday. We have jobs. That's why. Yeah, (laughs) We have
0: jobs. We can't. Yeah. We would love to. Don't get us wrong.
1: Yeah. That's why you need to go sign up for Patreon. (laughs) It all comes back. Yeah. Bringing it full circle,
0: bougie bitches. Also, we do have some surprising and fun and amazing announcements coming for you. Not just with Patreon, but as well in the future, you will find out when we are ready to tell you, but just stay tuned. It's oh. good. You're gonna love it. We have
1: it. things coming? Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: She'll tell me later. If you I mean, are you kidding? You don't know? Who were you just researching?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Fun, yeah. exciting things coming. Yeah, so stay fun, tuned. Fun exciting things coming. Yes. That's um, in like a week from now, right? Uh, from their world. From uh-huh. yeah. our world.
0: Yeah. That's crazy, right? This year, dude. I know oh, you're going to say this, but it really has. It's because we're old, bro. It actually is. It's There's because, a science behind it. It's because we're old. I
1: saw this thing
0: where it actually is a science-proven scientific fact that the reason why you feel like time is speeding up as you're older is because there aren't anchoring moments of first experiences that make life seem longer. For instance, the first time you ride a bike, the first time you try an ice cream cone, the first time you go out and play outside, or whatever, right? Those are like anchoring moments when you're a kid, and after that, you build on those experiences. So every time you build on that experience, it's not as memorable or you know concrete as that first time. So it gets more into science-y bullshit. But point is, so what you're it's saying real. is,
1: I've already done everything once, so I have nothing to look forward to. <laughs> Essentially, that's what science is figuring out is that's why... Fuck science. Yeah,
0: and that, that, you know, it feels like time is so much faster when you're older is... Because I'm about to die. <laughs> so the point is, every day, create a new experience for yourself. Do some one new thing every day. It doesn't have to be something big like starting a podcast, for instance. It could be like, I'm going to brush my teeth with my left hand instead of my right, just to learn. Or I'm going to teach myself how to... I don't know
1: why I'm doing ambidextrous stuff, but right with my left hand or right with my right hand, you know, shit like that. So, you know, I always start new things that I've never done, but I never finish them. You know how many projects I've started and never finished? <laughs> like I started to learn how to knit and I never completed one project. I started to learn how to crochet and I never completed one project. So I'm actually not going to say I'm going to flip it and reverse it on you. And it's not so much that
0: you don't want to complete it. It's that you tried it and found out this is not the hobby for me. That's what it is. You're trying things to see if you like it, if you could get into it. You didn't. And you're like, okay, moving
1: on. Do you want to know what That's I want life. to do? That's good. Yes, please. Do you want to know what my next thing I want to do is?
0: Is it the crystal, the crystal painting?
1: Oh, I've done that. Did you like it? I loved it. Um, And I would have finished it, but we got Puma when he was a kitten and he peed all over it (laughs) that is such a cat thing to do too it's like oh my god you really enjoy this awesome yeah so I threw it away I want to build these little rooms have you seen these
0: okay I'm looking at this oh my god it's like a little mini library Mm-hmm. Oh, it has like a little light, so it could be light or dark, and it has yeah. So like kind of like a piece of a
1: dollhouse. Yes, there are these little beauty rooms, and you build them. Go kind of like Legos, but more for adults. Like, but more like a model, like a mo- like because a model, it's not. yeah. And then look, they have different rooms. Like, here's oh. a. What is this? It's like a like a, a lounge area with yeah. a staircase. There's like a. Here's a tailor shop. Oh, a loft. They called that a loft. Oh, a loft. There's a tailor shop. Yeah, they have all. different Where did you find this? I've never even seen this before. I don't remember where I saw it the first time, but I have seen them in Instagram ads lately, I think because I've looked it up before. Like this is a flower shop.
0: Oh, my God. And you like build the whole thing. It's like wood and plastic and everything. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty badass. Let me know how that goes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point about life is try out shit. It's not so much that you don't finish a project. It's like, now, if you didn't finish a project where it's like, okay, I'm going to build planters in front of my home, and then they just sit there half done, yeah, okay, you didn't finish the project. But if it's like knitting, for instance, I tried knitting, it was cool, but I didn't get into it. That's just experimenting, and
1: I think that's good. I mean, I read a lot of books, so.
0: That's also good. That's another thing that they say, as long as you keep learning something new and challenging your brain by reading books every day you actually have lower rates of dementia and Alzheimer's believe it or not do you know how many
1: books I have read just this month oh you're gonna put me to shame go ahead um I think I have read at least eight or nine eight or nine
0: in a month so impressive I'm over here like I did too watch out bitches watch out (laughs) i'm coming for you damn that is impressive that's impressive reading's great pot says i read fast yeah i think yeah yeah we talked about this a little bit you do read fast but that's good i mean because obviously it lets you like enjoy your hobby and, uh, and as much of it as you want you can
1: read like that eight or nine books in a month or you can read one
0: before just, we started this
1: podcast, I would sit on the couch on a Saturday and I could read an entire book.
0: No no matter what size? Like, so, you know, like I three. I mean, like if it was
1: eight hundred pages. pages, like I couldn't read it in one day. Oh, it'd be like a day and a half.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, guys.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I would just sit and read all day because Yeah, why not? Yeah. And now
0: you're doing the podcast.
1: Now I do this. Which is really
0: fun. Thank you it all for listening. Fun. Seriously, this is so cool.
1: I do enjoy this, but it cuts into my reading time.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's hurry this up, guys. Cutting into my reading time, Bres. <laughs> well,
1: on that note, So I'm just saying, like, I wasn't being ugly. I know you weren't. I was just saying, like, if I wasn't doing this, that's what I'd be doing. You have many hobbies. You're a woman of many interests. I would probably also be closer to being done with that other thing by now.
0: Oh, well. Yeah. You need to stop adding work to your plate. This is where you and I are very similar. I was like, cool, I already have like four or five different projects going on plus work. I'm going to add another one. Totally fine. And then I wonder why I'm stressed and burnt out. Oh, maybe it's because I'm trying to do too much at one time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. We're in this together so I can identify it and go, no, let's just do this first. And then we'll, and you also have to reel me back too. No, let's just do this first and then we'll do that. All that to say, we actually do have more stuff coming (laughs) uh, that we're really excited about.
1: Yes. So, what are we going to tell them about that? We'll tell them about it when it's a little
0: nearer it. What do you think?
1: I when do you want to say? I don't know, because I don't know when it is in real time. Um? I mean, podcast time. Well,
0: today, whenever this is airing, is March 1st.
1: We should probably tell them, because we, we're recording it.
0: Mm-hmm, this upcoming weekend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When is it going to be released? I don't know. It's up to you. What do you think? We're really not trying to tease you. This is actually kind of happening real time.
1: We should have workshopped this beforehand. This is one thing we should have scripted. Yeah. 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 We don't script a lot. And this is one thing we should have scripted. Willie, what should we do? <laughs> Willie, tell us what to do. So we have a collaboration coming with um another podcast. Another podcast. And so stay tuned. Yes. That's we'll, all we're going to say. We're
0: going to give you a teaser. And on the next episode, we're going to tell you a lot more about it because... It will come out in the month of March. Yes. That's what we know. If it changes, we will absolutely let you know. But the collaboration with another podcast is like so huge for us. We're so excited. Yes, we're dying. And speaking of excited, okay, I have to get to my guy because I am losing my fucking mind right now. Okay.
1: Tell us, tell us, tell us. Willie has already lost a leg. He's so excited. (laughs) Two-eyed Willie, poor guy. Two-eyed Willie.
0: He's on leg. his last leg. Leg. He's, He's on his last leg. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> he only has one leg, guys. Uh okay, so today Fucking dog, I am getting into George Hodel. Do you know who that is? No. Not ringing any bells at all. No. George Hill Hodel Jr. was born October 10th, 1907 in Los Angeles, California. As he grew up, he was well-educated and very intelligent, even scoring a 186 on an IQ test when he was young. I mean, that means nothing to me. So, like, 70s, 80s is under the average. Madonna's 140, and she's considered genius level. Madonna. Yeah, really? Madonna is, like, 140 IQ test, believe it or not. I mean, anybody can say that. Sure. Um, but genius level is around 140, and he was 186. Okay. He was an excellent student, obviously, and was also very skilled at music. He was a pianist. He graduated South Pasadena High School early at 15 years old in 1922. He then went to Caltech, California Institute of Technology, but had to leave after his first year because he impregnated a professor's wife, and wanted to raise the child together but At she refused. A, yeah, around 16, 17. Okay. I have thoughts but go ahead. Problematic. Yeah. Many different reasons. Yeah. He wanted to raise that kid with her though. Oh, sure he did. Cuz I mean, he's a teenager and he's thinking completely clearly. Yeah. Mhm. So sense. obviously her marriage fell apart and he got kicked out of school. Yes. I mean,
1: uh-huh. After leaving school,
0: and around 1928, he met Amelia and was part of a common-law marriage with her, having a son named Duncan. In the 30s, he then married Dorothy Anthony, a model from San Francisco, and they had a child together named Tamar. He got into Berkeley and studied pre-med before going to the University of California, San Francisco, and graduated as a medical doctor in 1936 at the age of 29.
1: Um, I just want to say... If he was so smart, how come he didn't use a condom? And I don't want a doctor who doesn't know how to not have baby. (laughs) That was the thought I was having. I was like,
0: man, everybody has sex with. He like impregnates. Who's like, what is happening? Fertile marital needs to keep it in his pants. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he started out on his own and opened up his own medical practice, soon becoming the head of the county social hygiene bureau go no it's the 30s i think that that was their way of saying the health department at the time
1: my guess dude you know are they like any other health department that hands out condoms because he should take some home here sir but also think about
0: think about this and this is still true today who is told to close their legs in this situation
1: women and it's his fault go just go just read exactly just read yep i'm getting worked up just
0: go (laughs) Uh, so George at this point has his own medical practice. He's on the board at a county social hygiene bureau. He made it. Right? He's starting to hobnob now. Now we're in hobnob world. And who is nobbing his hob? Pretty much everybody. And Mm -hmm. then he was impregnating them. Mm -hmm. So he moved to LA because he's like, hell yeah, dude, I got that kind of cash. And he started hanging out around the affluent and hot social circles of the time. During the 1940s, he loved dark surrealism and that whole entire art scene and became friends with famous photographer Man Ray and director John Huston. I think it's Huston. I'm not really sure. Is it Danny Huston? Huston? That's H-U-S-T-O-N. That's his daughter. Do- I think that's H-U-S-T-O-N? his son. H-U-S-T-O-N? Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. Point is, he's hobnobbing. Mm -hmm. This group of friends partied, womanized, and appreciated Sadomaka's masochism together. Yeah. So, this is like that eyes wide shut world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going on here in the 40s, and Uh, it's, yeah. Two eyes only raising half an arm for that. (laughs) So, and and you know what, this is not kink shaming, by the way. No. Do you? You do you, boo-boo. We do not care.
1: I just know that... Since she's talking about him, he's going to be a man cunt. So I'm making fun of that dude. We'll see. I'm going to let. You'll have to give me your opinion at the end of this. Okay, let's go. So
0: he really must have loved Dorothy's like the name because he married another one in 1940. Dorothy Harvey.
1: I mean, Dorothy. In the 40s was like the Amanda of the 80s. The Madison with the Y
0: of the 2000s. Yeah. Uh huh. He even called her Dorero, so he didn't get the two Dorothys confused when talking about them with his friends, and they had a son together named Steve. In 1945, George brought the famed Soden House, where he lived for four years until 1950. Okay, so let me get into this house. It is, and and you feel free to Google it, because it's really distinct. It's a beautiful house, I feel, but it's also very creepy. I think it gives off... Also, because I know about this story, so for me it's a little creepy. If I didn't know, I'd be like, "This is an interesting looking How do you home." S O W D E N House, Los Angeles. Yeah, and on the outside it kind of has this like pyramid vibe in the front, but it's also like a penthouse look, like it's straight across. It has big courtyards. Like, it's built very beautifully. Let me explain a little bit more about this house because I think it. it it itself is a character in the oh, story. Oh, it's a
1: Frank Lloyd Wright house?
0: It's actually not. It's a Lloyd Wright house, his son. Oh. His son built this in 1926, and it has officially been registered as an Los Angeles historic landmark. And it really fits in with his like surrealism lifestyle too. So it's giving off all the vibes that he's looking for. You know, and it's big so he can have these giant, you know, sex parties in this house and giant walls up the side and oh like there's a giant fence you know so nobody can see what's going on inside the house so George lived here with his three wives oh they were doing a sister wife situation remember he married mar- he common law married married and as I was doing my research I was like wait a minute I don't see any of these people getting divorced and then I was like wait he lived there with all three of his wives and their three children Tamara, Steve and another unnamed child so it's a sister-wife situation. Yeah, he was a polygamist as well. Fun. So this guy from a very early age is problematic sexually. Like at 17, he's impregnated a professor's wife and is not only like a participant in this relationship, I don't feel like the woman necessarily, from what I understand of him, took advantage of him in this situation. I feel like it was very much a, hey girl, look at me, I got a high sex drive kind of guy yeah so anyway and then that coupled with i'm living with three women that i'm all having sex with and married to, and i'm also a womanizer so he's also having sex with women outside his wives Ugh. yeah so how do you keep up i don't know <laughs> no idea
1: i'm I mean, just
0: saying like do you think they had a giant like calendar like who was where and Okay, so I need you to take Steve to badminton practice, but then I need Amelia to pick up Tamar to go to ballet, you know what I'm saying? Who knows? Yeah. So, and okay, I will say SP here. In 1949, his daughter Tamar came forward, accusing him of raping and impregnating her, which she then had to have an abortion. This became a massive court case at the time, especially because, you know, he's rich and he lives in this like impregnable house. He has this like appearance and lifestyle that nobody really fully understood and everyone wanted to. So all of a sudden his daughter's coming forward with this like story about him and they're like, oh, see, I knew it. And so, of course, everyone wants to see the inside of rich people's lives, especially back then. Mm -hmm. So they're like, this is going to be massive. It became one of the biggest stories at the time. Um, and obviously the tabloids got all up in that shit.
1: I mean, who wouldn't?
0: Yeah. There were two witnesses who testified on Tamar's behalf and a third that recanted, which was thought at the time that they were being paid off by George. Public opinion at the time thought that Tamar was lying, her testimony was contradictory, and she just wanted attention. And after three weeks of trial, he was acquitted. Of course he was. I can't speak to this. This is an alleged sex crime because he didn't get convicted. I believe Tamar. I do. In this instance. And you know what? Even if she was only doing it for publicity, I think that she also brought to light a lot of the things that her father was doing, which... May or may not be a good thing. Now, again, the the sex lives of people are their own private business. You know, it's can't judge people based on that. But it sounds like he was hurting a lot of a lot of people along the way. A lot, a lot, a lot of people. Like He wasn't really caring about anybody but himself. Clearly, he's literally like living with three women. He's over here doing whatever the hell he wants to do all the time, anytime. And everyone just kind of has to count out his beliefs, I guess, or his way. I mean, this is the impression I'm getting, but I do believe Tamar. So this isn't the real reason we're talking about George, though, as if that wasn't enough. The real reason we're talking about George is because during the trial, Tamar claimed that her father was... The Black Dahlia Killer. That's right, bitches. It's a motherfucking Black Dahlia case. I could not wait to do this case. (laughs) This case was the case for me when I was a kid. This is what got me into true crime. I remember seeing, like, Elizabeth's body, you know, unfiltered. I cannot remember where magazine somewhere and or even on tv you know cold case files something like that and i was yeah. like what the fuck and i just thought i think for me that crime transcended the time period it felt very much more norm like a modern crime then, than yeah because like of how brutal it was because i felt like back then it was more like I'm in a you with a Tommy gun, see, and it would be like that, you know, like yeah. shoot 'em ups or stabbings and shit and just the, the idea that such brutality could happen even in a time when I thought was more innocent, which we all know that's not true. Yeah, no. Is it was weird to me. And plus, I mean, damn, if you haven't seen those photos, y'all, they leave an impression on you <laughs> no matter what you do. It's pretty intense. You're going on a a 3D tour of the house over here? I am. (laughs) It's It's a a gorgeous house. It's a beautiful home. I mean, it's beautiful. But also, it is a main character by itself. This house is very much a main character. And then in this story, being kind of like... It has two pools. Of course it does. Because why not? You're rich as fuck. (laughs) This is how rich this guy was. And he was just like a doctor. This isn't like some movie star. This guy was fucking rich shit. So again, I am listening to you, by the way. Oh, I know you are. I know. So for anyone living under a rock, I'm going to go into the Black Dahlia case and geek out a little bit here. So sorry, everybody. Elizabeth Short was an inspiring actress in L.A. during the 1940s, and her body was found on January 15th, 1947. She was dead and only 22 years old. Her body was lying naked a few feet off the side of a sidewalk in an empty lot in the Leimert Park neighborhood, which now is like a um, suburban area.
1: Well, she, I mean, everything is suburban now. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. She
1: was discovered by a woman
0: walking along the sidewalk with her baby in a baby carrier. So that was a in, early in the morning, too. So she was walking, you know, probably hadn't had a coffee yet. and She was like, I'm just going to go out and get a morning walk with my kid or whatever you and just assume then
1: everyone drinks coffee in the morning we don't all drink coffee what we don't all drink coffee well I mean you drink an energy drink so it's caffeine not every morning no what I mean people don't drink coffee in the morning correct how do you wake up like at all
0: and do anything I would just roll over and go back to sleep yeah. So Elizabeth was given a Uh wh- I'm sorry, uh, what? Uh, excuse me, let me repronounce that hemicorporectomy. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Slicing a body beneath the lumbar spine horizontally and pulling apart into two pieces upper and lower torso. She was cut horizontally in the middle and separated all the way across. And the reason I'm saying the word hymocorporectomy is because this is the only spot that this procedure can be done on a human body without breaking any bones. It was a very common procedure taught at the time to medical students. Why would you
1: teach that to anyone?
0: My guess is if you are going into like medical examining as a profession, you know, like, okay, here's... Here's how you would split a body in half, or maybe just here's FYI. I have no idea. Because, I mean, mean, why would you need... What, are you going to sew them back together?
1: I mean, (laughs) you know, medical examiners, they
0: do the whole why thing. I know. I don't know. This was a very common procedure taught at the time. And no, her bones were not broken. It was very surgically executed. Elizabeth looked like she had also been drained of all her blood because there was no blood on the ground, surrounding her, suggesting that all of this had been done somewhere else, and then she was laid here and positioned in this place. The most distinguishing feature of her body was her face, that they had sliced her mouth ear to ear, giving her a grotesque grin, and her body had been cleaned in gasoline to clean off any fingerprints.
1: I mean, that's was pretty
0: smart. It was very smart, because they did know about that at the time. Whoever did this was, first of all, very fucking smart, and this too definitely not their first time. This is not a first crime of passion, getting my feet wet, figuring it out kind of thing. No. This is a, I've had time, I'm cold, I'm calculated, I know what the fuck I'm doing here. Yes. And not only that, think about that. She was drained, cut in half, and placed out there. Somebody had to see that. I've always wondered that. How did nobody see that? I don't know. I don't know. I have no clue. Also, I mean, consider that it was an empty lot, so there was no lighting. So they knew that, and it was like probably like, okay, it's dark. I'm going to go get this done real quick, like 2, 3 in the morning or something like that. I don't know, man. Poor Elizabeth had also suffered quite a bit before her death because she was forced to eat feces. Parts of her flesh had been excised off of her body, and her pubic hair was shaved and shoved into her vagina and rectum. Her uterus was removed as well. Her cause of death was cerebral hemorrhage by homicide due to being hit in the face and head. And bags of concrete were found near her body. So that was really odd. No concrete was on her, but bags of concrete were there. And I believe they were empty bags because the police at the time said that they thought that they had transported her in the bags of concrete there. So, two different bags, one for the top and bottom of her. Get her there, place her down, and then splay her out. But why, But
1: there would be, like, concrete dust on her if they did that.
0: Right. But then they cleaned her with gasoline after, so maybe not. I was thinking she was cleaned beforehand. Maybe both. You know? Went at the place, and then when he got there.
1: Well, did they find gasoline on the ground?
0: I don't know about the gasoline on the ground, but there definitely was a lot on her. And either it dripped off of her, or... They poured it over her at the place. Again, it's also really hard because this case is so old that a lot of the court, you know, records and, you know, investigative reports are gone. They're just fucking gone or they're lost or they're whatever.
1: (sighs) There was probably a fire.
0: Yeah, right. Another fucking fire. Or people are dead that worked this case. That was 1945, 1947, actually, when this happened. So, yeah, it's a lot has happened since then. Right before her body was found, or no, that's not right, excuse me, right after her body was found, I don't know why I wrote that, this exploded in the news, because again, this is a horrific case, this is not something people ran across every day, Um, and the Los Angeles Record printed articles about her for 31 straight days. The Los Angeles Examiner sold more copies the day her body was found than any other day, rivaling only the end of World War II. So this was massive news, huge news at the time. Still huge news today. We're still talking about it. So I'm going to go through the timeline now, and I'm going to go back just a little bit. Elizabeth Short was found January 15th, 1947. Six days later, January 21st, someone called the editor of the Examiner to congratulate him on how well he handled the case, stated that hey, I'm the killer, and that, you know, I would eventually turn myself in. And to, quote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. Three days later, they received a manila envelope with a letter in it, with letters cut out from like newspapers.
1: Oh, yeah, like ransom. Yeah, like a ransom note,
0: exactly. Stating, quote, here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. It had photographs, names written on pieces of paper, business cards, her birth certificate, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. The whole package itself was cleaned with gasoline, just like the body, so the cops were like, this is definitely the fucking guy. That same day, a black suede shoe and handbag were found about two miles away from the crime scene and also covered in gas, and no fingerprints were found on them. The package, though, was sent to the FBI to be analyzed, and they were able to get partials, but because it was compromised during transit, they could not definitively say who, it the, who the partial belonged to. So why did they send
1: it regular postal mail? They shouldn't have done that.
0: I don't know if it was regular postal mail or if whoever was, like, the courier delivering it, even if it was a police officer, somehow... It got fucked up in between the police station and the FBI.
1: Well, that's just shoddy police work. Yeah. 1940s police.
0: (laughs) Get it together. Jeez. January 26, 1947. The examiner got another letter, but it was handwritten this time, stating, quote, Here it is. Turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police, Black Dahlia Avenger. And a location where he would be that day. The cops waited at the location during that day but no one showed up however what did show up was another letter to the examiner at 1 p.m the day he was supposed to show up january 29th stating "Eh, changed my mind you would not give me a square deal dahlia killing was justified so either it was like a prankster which maybe or it actually was the guy
1: i mean why was her uterus cut out was she pregnant that is a theory.
0: And who do we know to impregnate people? Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Fertile Freddy.
0: I don't I don't know what you're talking about. What? The Herald Express also received letters, one of them stating, quote, I will give up on Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. End quote. March 14th, 1947, a suicide note was found on, by the ocean. In Venice, Venice Beach, stating, quote, to whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in. So this was the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary. The note was left in a pile of men's clothing and taken to the police station. But the the note and the clothing gave no leads whatsoever. So they're like, "Okay, fuck this shit. Let's look at Mark Hansen. I mean, that's that's the address book we got mailed and with her birth certificate. So we're thinking, OK, this is the guy. Right.
1: So it took him this long to, like, go check this dude out. Mm. He
0: was a wealthy nightclub and theater owner and a friend of Elizabeth's identifying the shoe and purse that they found in the alley as hers. And who else would know that was hers? if Not somebody who fucking knows her. Yeah. However, he was quickly cleared as a suspect because there really wasn't enough evidence against him or really anybody else. So it's like, we can't I can't really
1: you can clear everyone. Yeah, everyone's not there, there's, the guy. There's no evidence. Nobody
0: did it at this point. I'm the guy. You know, it could be. I did it. <laughs> yeah, I knew it.
1: <laughs> I did it. I took. Damn it, Amanda. I took medical courses in my free time <laughs> in
0: the 40s. I time traveled big to the 40s. It's almost too easy. So 750 LAPD cops were assigned to this case. So I will say this. They did pull out all the stops. (laughs) It's not like they were sitting there like, well, you know, we'll get to it eventually. But I have to think it's probably because of like how much publicity the case was getting and how crazy the case is and the gruesomeness of it.
1: But I mean, there's no evidence of anyone. Like, you just have to wait for somebody to confess. So this is what they did. They actually searched all over L.A.,
0: all over L.A. For what? Anything. Evidence. Anything. They questioned people. They went through trash cans. They would, like, scour, like, you know, back alleys for, infra- for you what? name it. You name it. For Anything what? they could There's fucking find. There's nothing that, no- 150 plus men were investigated and Councilman Lloyd David posted a $10,000 reward, 115902 in today's money, but nothing. So $115,000 reward, nothing. So then how the fuck did George Hodel get in this mix well first off obviously the sex assault trial when his daughter said yeah i think he's the killer in 19 and let me get you the exact date 49 two years after um the murder of elizabeth short is when the sex assault trial happened two years later his his daughter was like hey this guy's the black dahlia and then people are like you just want publicity or whatever else But the police were like, okay, at this point, fuck it. Who else we got to go on? We're gonna go off this guy, all right? Let's let's take a look. It's worth a look. So how her body had been bisected fit a doctor's skill set. And they were like, okay, starting to make a little more sense. We could see a doctor doing this potentially, right? So then they were like, okay, let's actually do some real police work here. Oh,
1: now we're
0: going to do it right <laughs> Okay. Eight people came forward stating that they knew Elizabeth and George had had a relationship. An 18-man task force was then de- decide- dedicated to the case to bug George's house from February to March 1950 to try to get something incriminating on him. This is when they caught him saying, quote, Suppose and I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary Terry anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. Hodel's secretary died of a barbiturate overdose in 1945, two years before Elizabeth's murder.
1: Why would he kill her before Elizabeth?
0: Because he's having a relationship with her at the time, and the secretary may have seen something that Was it carbonating or something like that? But, I mean... And how hard is it to get barbiturates from a doctor whom you're working for? And how hard is it to give those barbiturates to your secretary without her knowing? And then she accidentally overdoses.
1: I mean, you would think he would kill the secretary after he kills Elizabeth because she knows he killed her. Possibly. Or... I mean, it make more sense to do her afterwards, not before.
0: Yeah. Or, the other thing is, is maybe... His wives didn't know at the time about all his other extramarital affairs. And this was like one of those like, oh, shut her up, shut her up.
1: I mean, he has three wives. I'm just assuming he's.
0: He also did say, and I'm quoting, maybe I did kill my secretary. Let me just reread the statement again because I fucking botched it the first time. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. I'm just saying if you're putting those sentences together, it ain't looking good for you, dude. No, I'm
1: just saying, like, no, I agree. I'm just saying, like. But the why? Like, why do the secretary first? Right. Or it was just her actually
0: committing suicide. because She's like, this, she might just be totally stressed working in this fucking shit show of a house. Yeah. You know? So October 1949, a grand jury was assembled and George was one of five suspects submitted to the grand jury considered for evidence, like for indictment. None of them, none of them were indicted by the grand jury. So again, didn't go anywhere. Nobody was prosecuted and they're back to square one in March, 1950. Now, remember, they're bugging him from February to March and then in March At forty-three years old, he moved to Hawaii, got a psychiatry degree, and started counseling prisoners. He did this for three years before moving to the Philippines, married a Filipino woman there, and they had four children together before divorcing in nineteen sixty. George then came back to the U.S. in nineteen ninety, married again, and died in nineteen ninety-nine at the age of ninety-one. I'm just—I just think it's curious that all of a sudden he just wants to move to Hawaii. For no reason. Just
1: weird. I mean, I start to live there.
0: I mean, you know, just totally no reason. There's definitely not heat in and around the time around his name. No reason. And then to the Philippines. I mean, where he stays gone for 30 years and comes back in 1990. You know, so is he the black Dahlia murderer? I don't know. His son, Steve, thinks he is. Let's get more into this. Steve, a retired LAPD homicide detective, wrote a book on it. No, but he actually wrote a book. <laughs> it's called The Black Dahlia Avenger, A Genius for Murder, The True Story of Steve Hodell. Did you read it? I did not. And here's why. I didn't have time. <laughs> he started from scratch with the case. Like he w- used to do back at the LAPD. He's like, okay, I'm just going to pretend I'm not his son and I'm just going to investigate the case like I would have, okay? And go anywhere the leads take me and look at all of the evidence and anyone who's still alive, I'm going to interview them. I'm going to go over witness statements, you name it. Cool. He even filed Freedom of Information Act requests to find out like those documents that the FBI had, like anything he could possibly get here. So here is basically what the book says. And this is why I didn't read the book. It's it kind of like summarized in the article I was reading on The Guardian, like what the book was about. So I was like, okay, fair. And I also am a big fan of. Uh, there, there's a show and I'll tell you later, but it's a really good show. And it also kind of like talks Cause about you like
1: it. to watch the TV show instead of read the book.
0: I do. I'm a visual learner, so it just makes a little more lasting impression for me. If I'm doing something like this, but also I am not a fast nine book reader in a month. Amanda, it takes me fucking a month to read one book. And if we want a podcast to be done, I'm never going to get anything done <laughs> to read a book.
1: Just saying, so the books are always better than the movies and the TV shows.
0: Oh, absolutely
1: agree. But I still learn
0: from, you know, visually. So the handwritten letters that were sent to the press at the time were sent to handwriting experts and compared to George's handwriting. They said it had a strong likelihood that it was his father's handwriting, but it was inconclusive because, again, it means handwriting. You I not
1: I think handwriting science is like voodoo.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the um, lie detector test. Yeah. It really doesn't do anything, but it puts pressure on the criminal. Yeah. Yeah. He also found a photo in his dad's albums of a woman who bore a striking resemblance to Elizabeth. That was analyzed and determined to be not her and then another woman completely. was also in the photo, not them. They found a receipt that showed George bought 10 five-pound bags of concrete shortly before Elizabeth's death, the same size and brand that was found near her body, but again, it's circumstantial. I mean, how many brands of concrete
1: were there at the time? Probably like two. I mean... Lots of home (laughs) projects require concrete. I just looked at that house. There was a lot of concrete. Right, exactly. And also, like, so what's you bought concrete? A couple days
0: before death? I mean, yes, if it were part of a whole case against him, it would make for compelling uh, evidence. But at this point, it's just circumstantial. It doesn't do anything.
1: I mean, and also, where did the concrete from the bags go? I don't know. And how do you know that they weren't just there? It was Uh an empty lot. Right. It could have been. It could have been from the
0: construction around. And someone just like threw the bag out the window. Who knows? Like they were.
1: It could have had nothing to do with the case. Yeah. They were doing construction. They had concrete work. They emptied. They made the concrete and left the bags on the ground. And it didn't get picked up at the end of the day. Right.
0: Exactly. So let's go into more. So hodel's soden home was only half a mile from where elizabeth was found again circumstantial but interesting very close to where she was found two of man ray's photographs le Amoureux and minotaur do look eerily similar to elizabeth's mouth and body when she was found so and i have photos of it so you could see but all it is is a set of large lips and then the Minotaur is essentially like a woman who's like sucking in her stomach. So it looks like she's kind of like cut in half. But again, it's surrealist photos. I The idea here is that he is trying to copy Man Ray's work with this gruesome act is the
1: idea. I mean, first of all, being so close to the house, most killers know you don't shit where you eat. True. But also, he's untouchable. He already got off a rape charge. He feels invincible.
0: He clearly thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room because he is. I mean, is. I'm just saying. Yeah. So then there is a transcript from his home. Again, let's go back to this transcript. Let's read it again. But not the one we just talked about. The moment right before the one we just talked about occurred was actually more compelling So this is the full one. And this is from 1950. Now, again, the timeline is not adding up because she's dead in 1947. But now I'm kind of like, wait, what the fuck? Get this. February 19th, 1950, when they recorded this transcript, 825 p.m., quote, woman screamed. Woman screamed again. It should be noted the woman not heard before the scream. Then he talks to someone later that day and says, quote, Realized there was nothing I could do. Put a pillow over her head and cover her head with a blanket. Get a taxi. Expired 12.59. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. So who the fuck is this woman screaming in your house three years after Elizabeth died? And then you going... Expired. 12.59. Get a taxi. What? You're just going to push a dead body like weaken at Bernie style into like a taxi with some sunglasses? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> what?
1: Maybe he killed somebody else and that's why he really ran to Hawaii. Possibly. So there's a theory out there and I'm going to talk about this
0: because um, I believe it is We Own the Night is the name of the show. Fucking incredible. Definitely watch it. Um, but basically their theory in the show is he is a sadomasochist. So much so that he bisects and does all these experiments. He starts off with photos of women in the basement, taking photos and doing all this shit. And in the basement, which I don't know if it actually is in the Soden house. Probably not. I don't think there was a basement. Okay. Was a essentially like a white tile clean room with all his instruments in there so he would start it off as like a sexual game where it'd be like i'm gonna tie you up and then i'm gonna take these photos and then it turned into and now i'm going to start chopping up one arm and then another arm and then a see i'm saying so it turns into this sexual game for him to slowly dismember a person and in this case the idea would be he accidentally went too far and killed another one so Elizabeth was one of many in this long line of women who fell victim to his crazy sexual deviancy.
1: Why didn't they talk to the wives and find out if, like, what he was into?
0: They probably did. And again, it's probably lost to the sands of time at this point. In the fire. Yeah, exactly. So again, not conclusive. Although, what the fuck who died on <laughs> um, February 19th, 1950? <laughs> like, what <laughs> poor woman oh uh, so steve was like this is still not enough i th- like this is inconclusive so he kept digging and he also wanted another person's opinion he's like okay i'm the one like buried in this forest for the trees i, I can't i want to make sure i'm actually on the right track for i'm just, like losing my mind here so he found Stephen Kay, who worked in the la uh, county's da's office to review all the work he had so far Six weeks later, Stephen wrote back stating, quote, thanks to some great detective work by his courageous son Steve, the name of Dr. George Hodel will live in infamy. And Stephen K. believes that if George Hodel were alive today, he would be brought in on murder charges.
1: Of the woman he killed in 1950? Yeah, somebody, at least. Yeah, agreed. Jane Doe.
0: But obviously Steve Hodel has been met with a lot of criticism and a lot of, like, Uh, Yeah, okay, sure, dude. You're just doing it for publicity. Again, just like Tamar. Same idea. He also went on to write some more books claiming that his dad was also the Zodiac killer and murdered a woman in Manila. Another reason why I didn't buy his book, because I'm like, okay, it's
1: a bit of a stretch. (laughs) I feel like, okay, if he's now accusing his dad of being the Zodiac killer and other killers, now we're like being a fame whore.
0: Yeah, and also exactly. And the other thing is, is like, even if his work was right, now he's kind of negating his own work yes. by making himself look like a crackpot. Yes. Right.
1: Zodiac killer.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so let's look at some evidence from his book, but not from him. This is actually from someone else. And there is a physical document that is not his. And he did not doctor or anything like that, okay? July 2018 in Indianapolis, Indiana, Sandy Nichols is cleaning out her mother's effects after her death and found a three-page letter titled Dying Declaration Letter, written by her grandpa, W. Glenn Martin. This letter stated that W. Glenn Martin was a paid LAPD informant working for Sergeant McCauley in the um, Internal Affairs Division. He wrote the letter because he was afraid that his teenage daughters at the time were going to be killed. So this was his way of offering insight if that happened. And it was addressed to, quote, in the case of Margaret Ellen or Glenna Jean's death. Her grandpa said in the letter that he helped identify corrupt police officers and, quote, it was to try and see if other officers could be inveigled into crime. The letter used the initials gh 17 times stating that gh was the killer of elizabeth and another victim louise springer and a friend of her grandpa as well as sergeant mccauley so louise springer was known to w glenn martin and his boss sergeant mccauley the letter claimed that the cops knew that gh knew louise as well and he was quote about to be grilled about the springer murder and that gh was protected by the law and they quote let him go while george hodel has not been convicted of any crime this is all alleged everything i talked about today including the bagdalia case his son steve is still working on this and i feel that last little bit here with this letter from a grandpa is the most incriminating against george hodel which if that's the case Louise Springer could have been the other one, could have been the one on the tape and would lend to, yeah, this is not his first nor his last crime. And also, again, that happened February 19th. And in March, that dude was gone. He was in Hawaii. Yeah. Just really unfortunate timing, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I personally, I'm going to tell you what I believe, but I want to know your thoughts on This whole thing.
1: I mean, you know, it's very. I can't think of the word. Big if true. It all makes sense. But I mean, when you just have initials, like. When you're looking for something, when you're trying to make it fit, it can fit. Right. G.H. could be anybody. Yes.
0: Not just George Hodel. It could be.
1: Anybody. And yeah, it could be anybody. And when you want it to be true, you can make it true. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm with you. I would love for it to be George
0: Hodel, to be perfectly honest, because it does fit very fucking well. He's a rich man. He has this, like, history of being with lots of women. Elizabeth at the time was not doing well. She was a waitress and she needed money. So maybe she did, maybe she was a waitress at one of his cocktail parties. And he was like, hey, you're hot. Let's go. Let's get it on. Got pregnant. He's like, oh, fuck. Got to get rid of this. Does a back alley abortion. Turns into something entirely different. Kills her. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to make it look like a psycho person did this. I know. I'll cut her in half. You know what I mean? Like it just kept steamrolling out of control. And then it's like, oh, fuck. Same thing with the other woman he killed, which I'm assuming he did. Um, Same idea. Oh, shit. This has got out of control. I do think that obviously the show is like glamorizing and like oh he's a sadomasochistic killer. I really just think he was doing back alley abortions out of the out of his home, and that he lost some women. And if he was the Black Dahlia murderer, like I said, I think he did, that was his way of covering it up, as my making it look like some psycho. And that's why her uter- uterus was gone. Yeah. Instead of like the actuality of just going no, actually I accidentally killed her whenever. I aborted her baby or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a fascinating case to me. It will always be fascinating to me. I really hope someday somebody's grandpa or somebody comes forward and just says, hey, here here it is.
1: But I don't think so because it's been, what, 80 years or something? I don't think that's ever going to happen. Unless somebody comes across the diary of the person who did it that says, I did it, and this is exactly what happened.
0: A lot of those people are dying now, so maybe it'll be a deathbed confession. You know, like, it it was
1: me. (laughs) Don't hold your breath. (sighs) Don't hold your breath. All right. You want to talk about a trophy, Dad? Let's make it. Yeah, I got a good one, and he's not dead. Oh, good. Even better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. August 8th, 1948, in Puerto Rico, Jose Chacha Jimenez was born to Eugenia Rodriguez and Antonio Jimenez Rodriguez. Eugenia brought Jose from Puerto Rico to New York in 1949. Then they went to an immigrant camp near Boston where they were reunited with Antonio. The family rented a work cabin from the Italian Italian family that owned the migrant camp. But less than two years later, the family moved to Chicago to be closer to all their other family. Why is this in Chicago, too? I don't. Oh, it just hit me. Oh, shit. You're right. That's weird. I did not do that on Dude, purpose. Dude, We've had some real crazy synchronicities lately. Real crazy. I did not do that on purpose. So Chacha and his family lived in one of the first of the two Puerto Rican barrios in Chicago. And it was dubbed by the Puerto Ricans. La Clark Um, Orlando Dalvilia became one of um, Chacha's best friends. And Orlando later founded the Young Lords Street Gang. Oh, so the Young Lords began as a way to provide protection and recognition and gain a reputation. Um. Because when the Young Lords were first formed, the white gangs just saw all the people of Hispanic descent as a disruption to the Lincoln Park neighborhood, which is where this was at. Oh. And so most of the Hispanic children were forced to either join a neighborhood gang or a club for protection. Okay, got it. It was a survival
0: Mm -hmm. more than anything. Okay. Yes. Makes sense.
1: So in the 1960s, the Urban Renewal Program, which is what originally pushed the Puerto Ricans into Lincoln Park, began to force them out. Yeah, shocking. It's called redlining and gentrification. The city planners wanted to make Lincoln Park an inner city suburban um, neighborhood and attract professionals. Just say white people. That's what you meant by that. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> When the urban renewal started, neighborhood associations began popping up and they would never include the lower income residents and they um, helped the mayor change the zoning laws, which would also call for building inspections and they would pressure the small owners to sell and assist real estate agents and bankers with the neighborhood housing group tours. And so what happened was the African-American families were forced south of North Af- Avenue with the Hispanics moving north of Lakeview or west to Wicker Park and Humboldt Park. Oh, jeez. And that
0: also proves to me, okay, because I have had a sneaking suspicion that HOAs were born out of racism. And they were. So this wasn't really
1: HOAs. But it's a
0: neighborhood association, which is the, the seeds of an HOA.
1: No, it was it was actually something a little bit different. OK. But in 1967, most of the white areas had become Hispanic and the young lords were now in their late teens. And actually, it became to where there was no real structure or organization within the gang. So um, they all still hung out together, but they were kind of all going in different directions. Um Some lived drug-filled lives, some got married and moved on, some went to Vietnam, and others like Cha-Cha were still working on street corners and in and out of jail. Mm. Crime was on the rise, and Cha-Cha and some of the other young lords got into harder drugs like heroin and cocaine. Mm. In the summer of 1968, Cha-Cha was serving a 60-day sentence in the Cook County Jail for possession of heroin. When he decided to turn his life around Good um, for him. Well, on the whole, Chacha read a book by Thomas Merton, and he reflected on his past and decided to quit drugs and the game and the gang. So here's a little fun fact about Chacha. He had once contemplated becoming a priest. Hmm. So when he read this book, um, I'm not quite sure the name of the book, but um the author is a Catholic author, mm. so it kind of spoke to his past of when he was thinking about becoming a priest.
0: Mm, yeah. So that
1: foundation was already there. So Jose or Cha-Cha then asked for a, ple- a priest, and he knelt down between the cell bars, and he confessed his sins.
0: Aww.
1: So after that, while in the jail... um. When immigration would round up all the undocumented workers and they would pass through the jail, Chacha was seeing how they were treated. And so he requested to be given permission to translate for the Mexican detainees. And but he had to yell the questions and answers from his third floor cell. Uh, so even though they can't let him out to like help. Come on, guys. Yeah. So he put like
0: shackles on him or something.
1: So even then, like he was Still, this, this treatment. OK, so these experiences were what made Chacha realize the importance of fighting for human rights. Mm-hmm. And he decided that he needed to create a group for self-defense within the Puerto Rican and Hispanic communities, similar to the Black Panther Party. OK. So Chacha did something I think is fucking brilliant. He transformed the Young Lords into the Young Lords organization. He fucking flipped the script. Ah, He was like, okay, I want to make a group like the Black Panthers. Where do I get these people? He took this gang and changed their fucking purpose. I love that idea. He's like, I already got the name. I already got the people behind me. Mm-hmm. Let's just make it an organization for good. Hell so, yeah. So the Young Lords organization started creating grassroots campaigns on the behalf of the people of Lincoln Park. So obviously he got out of jail. He grouped the people together and he said, this is what we need to do. You can stay here and be part of this organization or you can go and continue to do your shit. Right. But this is what the Young Lords are now. Love that. I'm assuming that's the conversation that was had. I don't know. Of course. Yeah. So what they would do is they would disrupt these meetings and confront the real estate brokers um, he created the People's Church and people, the People's Church, um, and People's Park. They he forced the McCormick Theological Seminary to provide resources for the community. When the police killed Manuel Ramos, they marched against police brutality and contributed the seed money for the creation of the People's Law Offices in Chicago. Mm. The Young Lords organization also developed plans for low-income housing in Lincoln Park to prevent the displacement of the Hispanic population. Oh, love that. The original Chicago Young Lords became the national headquarters and provided leadership and grassroots guidance to other Young Lords chapters in New York, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. They also worked with other Hispanic groups in other parts of Chicago as well. So it wasn't just like, we're going to only help us. It was. We're
0: going to help everyone. Let's try to expand and bring more people who we know are experiencing similar issues to ours into the fold and help them as well. I love it.
1: So Reverend Bruce Johnson, his wife, Eugenia Razier Johnson, um, United Methodist pastor and the National Young Lords People's Church pastor, And their assistant Latino pastor, Sergio Herrera, were murdered on September 29th, 1969. Oh, my God. This was also followed by the assassination of the Black Panther Party chairman, Fred Hampton, as well as um, Black Black Panther Party member, Mark Clark, Mm. on December 4th. At this point, Cha-Cha went underground in 1970 and ran an underground training school for two and a half years. Um, afterwards he, when he resurfaced and he turned himself in, um, to serve a year sentence for petty theft for lumber. Oh, so, okay. So he was
0: running a training school and I'm assuming that the training school is how to protect yourself. Yeah. Considering, you know, Fred Hampton and all this shit. By the way, guys, they were murdered. This wasn't, like, yes, one of those, I mean, like, oh, well, they resisted. No, no, no. no, no. no. They Frank were was asleep, and he was shot in his sleep. Yes, no. So, they, no. I mean,
1: these people were murdered. It was,
0: like, a... It was a racially charged yes. time, and everyone was, like, well, we're allowed to have white nationalism, but you can't have
1: black nationalism. That's... can't have that. So, so yeah. after his release, Cha-Cha actually ran for Alderman of the 46th Ward. So I had to look up what that was. It's like a city councilman. Oh, okay. Okay. And he actually won 39% of the vote. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because most of the um, voters were not of Hispanic or Latin descent.
0: Like, and yeah. And also, even if they were, they aren't eligible to vote, to vote if they are not a citizen of the U.S.
1: Yeah. So this was, this wow. was a big deal. And it really, his running... For Alderman was on principle. You know, he knew he wasn't going to win.
0: He's more like, hey, we're here, too. Hello. We
1: have rights. We have needs. Pay attention to us as well. So not long after his campaign, Chacha was incarcerated again for another nine months for an alleged hostage change that started when he was showing support for the. (sighs) F.A.L.N. The. Zaras, Armandas de Liberaciones Nacional. Okay, so he got in trouble for being an alleged a hostage taker? Hostage. It says for an alleged hostage change that started when he was showing support. So basically, just because they thought he was supporting this organization... So what this is, it's a separatist organization in Puerto Rico that has used violence in its campaign Mm. to separate from the U.S. Okay, got it. So it's a little more
0: extreme
1: than it's basically an extreme. I think it's like an extremist group. I didn't get into a lot of details because there's sometimes some things I don't really think I should Google.
0: Oh, yeah. Or and also time. Uh, You know, we can't research Google all the things all the time and research
1: every single thing we talk about. So So, and also like. The time I have to talk about the things. Right, of course. So. um, The case was eventually thrown out for a a lack of evidence and lack of a speedy trial. Oh, Um,
0: that's the first time I've ever heard it actually being thrown out, because mm -hmm. I I know that's a right we have. Mm Interesting.
1: Interesting. Yes, but um, Cha Cha still had to wait another year, um, waiting on a trial due to a high bond. I don't. I didn't really understand. It was a whole lot of confusing information on this situation. Mm. So I'm not quite sure. sure. No, it's okay. It, it, it was. It was a little bit confusing. So Cha Cha, when he got out, unfortunately, he relapsed back into substance abuse, mm. but this time was a little bit different he went into rehab oh wow he took himself Mm Mm-hmm. wow and when he left rehab um with the help of a former resident he got a job as a janitor and then as an entry-level substance abuse counselor for bsta inc now i looked that up and i tried to figure out what it was but i couldn't find anything because i don't know if it's still around oh maybe it got like renamed or something Mm -hmm. yeah reorganized i don't know yeah so for the next year, he studied and passed the requirements to become a certified substance abuse counselor. And so he began he began working as a gang and youth counselor, and he continues to advocate for social change today. He has five children, four girls and a boy. Oh, wow. um, his children did not grow up with him um, because, you know, he was in and out of jail and then all the other activities he was doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But he still has a close relationship with all of his children. That's awesome. So I think this is, that is really fascinating because he is actively fighting against, you know, a lot of things in his life, like the systemic racism, obviously, but also like himself. Because, I mean, whenever you are an addict, you're always going to kind of be fighting that monkey on your back. You know, it's never like,
1: oh, it's, and now I'm done, I'm cured, you know. No, you're never cured of that. Yeah. And they always say... It's progressive. It always gets worse. Even if you stop doing it, it continues to progress and gets worse. Like when you pick it back up, your disease hasn't just stopped and reversed itself.
0: Right. It's still there. It's just you're not engaging with it, which is good. It's always a good thing to stop the behavior. But I love that he, even at the end, he was like, oh, okay, I got to take myself to therapy or uh, to rehab because this is not, I-, I don't need to be doing this behavior anymore. This is not me. This is not who I am. And that's so cool. So currently he still works for social change and justice and everything like that yes. in his communities. Mm-hmm. And this whole time he's just been trying to promote like the Puerto Rican viewpoint of things to people in power, yes. essentially. Like, hey, this mm-hmm. is how we feel about this. Pay attention to yeah. our needs as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it is, is they just want to sit at the fucking table. Yeah. That's what people don't understand. It's like, no, 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 they're not trying to rewrite anything. Obviously, if it's racist, yeah. But if, like, if anything, they just want to be heard and seen and be able to talk about their needs and what's going on with their community. Well, I mean,
1: he lived in a neighborhood that, you know, he was forced, they were forced into because of, um, you know, urban renewal. Mm -hmm. They said, you have to go here and live in Lincoln Park. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want you to live there anymore. You need to move out. Right. And, and, and exactly like who else is being told that, you know, and so he's sitting there in jail and he's in the hole for whatever reason. And he reads this book and he realizes realizes, you know what? I can make a difference. We can make a difference. Yeah. If we all get together, we can make a difference. And you know what? They fucking made a difference. Yeah, absolutely did. That's
0: awesome. And you know what? It's small things. Little tiny baby steps, you know? I think that's really important, and that's amazing. How fascinating. And he's still around today, which is great. I love having a, uh, a trophy dad that's still around.
1: Yes, I think he's in his 70s, 1948 is when he was born. Yeah, he would be in his 70s now, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I mean, you know, you can make a difference. Like You can, guys. Don't just sit there and go... Why should I do anything? It's not going to make a difference anyways. Guess what? It's going to make a fucking difference. It absolutely will. Even if it is
0: just reposting someone else of a different viewpoint than yours that you agree with, just like amplifying their voice on your Instagram or social media platform, just saying, hey, check this person out, can make a big difference. You'd be surprised because then more people learn about it. And then they tell their friends and they tell their friends. And that's how action and change happens. That's awesome, dude.
1: Thanks. I love Cha-Cha. I mean, come on. His name's Cha-Cha. That's a fucking badass name. I mean. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) I love it. I mean, I could have called him Jose through the entire thing, but I'm like, "Mm -mm." mm-mm. It says Jose Cha-Cha Jimenez. I'm like, he's he's Cha-Cha. Cha-Cha. I'm sure that's what his friends call him. Yeah, I'm his friend now. Cha-Cha. Awesome. I mean, he's my people, (laughs) Cha-Cha.
0: Yeah, because he's... In his 70s. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: he'd be like a people peepaw. peepaw age. That's awesome. And I'm sure he'd call me Miha Ah, oh, I love when people call me Miha I told you I got called Miha buying the breakfast tacos this morning. I felt like family.
0: I love... You just feel so special. Like like you said, you just feel like, am I adopted now? Can I, can I like, come over?
1: Can I get a hug? <laughs> like, like, Are we having tamales for dinner? Right, right. Can I come over later? <laughs> Watch TV and... We can hang out and <laughs> see, I, I, I don't have a big family, so like, if I feel like I'm going to have that sense of like huge family, I'm like, do I get to come over? When do we sign up? Yeah. Is, is that the sign up sheet?
0: <laughs> you call me Miha, so I'm I'm officially family now, correct? <laughs> what do you want me to bring? What do you want? What do, what do I bring? Well, and you can cook, so you'd actually bring something incredible. I mean, that suddenly salad was the bomb. (laughs) Okay, so update for everybody who's very curious about, you know, suddenly salad. Uh, We had some today. (laughs) It is the eight. It still tastes like the 80s. And it's great. They did not update the recipe since 1981. It was great. I got to say, I was um, I was happy with it. I loved it. Yeah, we're those girls. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.